Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. You do too, so let's talk some Dynasty. And here's what we have in store for you on episode number 95. Last week, uh, I did a podcast about the first 10 rounds of my newest all-flex league, the startup draft that we're in. Um, If you missed it, be sure to go back and listen to that podcast, which describes the very unique scoring system and lineups and payouts. To make it short, it's a 14-team tight end premium super flex league where all the players can be flexed, so you can play two quarterbacks and the remaining eight players or nine, I guess if you only started one quarterback, are all flex positions. Uh, This was uh, rounds one through ten happened last week that I reported on, so go back and listen to those. Today we're going to talk about picks 11 through 25 as our draft wrapped up just two days ago. The draft definitely slowed down quite a bit, but it's still been fun. Uh, there's no kickers or defenses, so there's 350 players were drafted. On top of that, owners can put players they draft on a taxi squad uh, if they're rookies, so that even more play- players are going to be picked up in the first waiver run after the draft, which just happened yesterday. It's a very, very deep uh, dynasty league. I went for a win-now strategy, like I said last week, so my team is a little bit older than most teams, but I like what I've put together so far. And heading into round 11, this is what my team looked like. I had Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford, quarterback. I had Alvin Kamara and Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert at running back. I had Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, and T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver. So now we'll pick it up in verse 11, or in, in a draft 11, uh, the 11th round rather, and tell you who I picked. We'll start off with 11.10. So the 10th pick of the 11th round, I picked Jordan Howard. I think that Jordan Howard is woefully underrated. He's performed like a solid RB2 every year of his career, and he's only 25 years old. People forget that. He's averaged more than 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns per season, and I really like his role in Miami. I think it's clear. He's going to be the first and second down back, and he's going to leave the passing work to Matt Breida. He should be the goal line back, too, and score, I believe, eight to 12 touchdowns this year. He signed a two-year contract with Miami. And they didn't draft a running back, as most analysts actually expected. Instead, they traded for one, Matt Breida, of course, during the draft. But as the 10th player on my roster in a 14-team league, I just wanted to draft a player who was going to get a lot of touches and provide a very safe floor. And I considered him picking picking him in the 10th round, where I drafted T.Y. Hilton 18 players before this. So it took me less than a minute just to push smash and accept him in that round. Going next to the 12th round, 12.5, I picked Jared Cook. Cook is at the top of my third tier of tight ends. It's a tight end premium league, and if you listened to the podcast last week, you know that I was sniped twice. I was going to kind of go go up and try to get a top tier tight end, and I got sniped with two players in that round. I was going to get a top tier or second tier top tight end, and then got sniped again. And so I had to settle for Cooks. He's at the top of my third tier. Though Cook is the oldest player on my team at this point, and is likely only paired with Drew Brees for this year, because I think Brees is likely going to retire. I still remember that I'm trying to do a win-now strategy, and so all the PPR monster tight ends had already been taken in the draft, and so what I decided to do at tight end from this point on was try to draft the guys that had the highest touchdown upside because there really weren't any PPR tight ends left. Cook scored nine touchdowns in just 14 games last year. 
Um, I actually, when I picked him, I planned to maybe pick uh, Adam Troutman um, right after him, uh, or a couple rounds later, so that I'd have the the future tight end in New Orleans too, because Troutman is actually my number one ranked rookie tight end. But he was actually picked the very next pick after I drafted Cook. I thought that was interesting. So um, not the best tight end in a tight end premium league, but again, it's an all-flex league, so I don't even have to start a tight end if I don't want to. But Cook is going to start the season as my starting tight end in this uh, win-now approach. At pick 13-10, I went with another Saint, Latavius Murray. I was thrilled to get Murray with this pick because he's insurance for my Alvin Kamara, who I traded up to, to draft in the first round if you listened last week. Murray is arguably the best handcuff in the entire league. Last last year, I think it was weeks two and three, or might have been weeks three and four, he scored 32 and 35 points. Um, and that was just incredible what he did when Kamara was out. Um, in weeks, no, I'm sorry, it was actually week seven and eight that Kamara was out with an injury. He scored 32 and 35 points. He's under contract with New Orleans for three more years, so I like that too. I know in this case, I picked him in the 13th round. He's only going to start for me when Kamara is injured or if somehow they really start moving to more of a committee approach and both he um, and Kamara are useful. But I think he's really just going to be the insurance for me, which I think the 13th pit, 13th round was very happy to get the insurance for Kamara. At pick 14-5, I picked Jack Doyle. The people are far um, are far off the mark in assessing Doyle's dynasty value, I think. He's my 18th ranked tight end, but in this draft, he was the 26th tight end taken. So 18 and 26. <laughs> Doyle is 30 years old, which I think is the prime of a tight end's career. Eric Ebron was the touchdown vulture. He's signed with Pittsburgh, so he's gone. The Colts also added Phillip Rivers, who loves to target tight ends. I think Indianapolis is going to be a run-first team, that's for sure. But Doyle should still get a lot of looks on third down because this is a .5 points per first down. I think Doyle's going to collect a lot of uh, third down you know, conversions and also going to convert in the red zone. I don't have to start a tight end in this league, like I said, which is why I waited so long to draft one, but I really could see Cooks and Doyle starting for me when the matchups are favorable. Likely not starting both of them, but either or, depending on the matchups. In the 15th round, I went with Robbie Anderson. Anderson is another criminally undervalued player, in my opinion. He's my 45th ranked wide receiver, but I drafted him in this draft as the number 73 wide receiver. Not just 73, meaning the 73 wide receiver. I just don't get it. His ceiling is definitely higher than his floor. I understand that part, but, uh, you know, especially signing in a new team. But the ceiling is super high with the new coaching staff and quarterback. Uh, Carolina's head coach, Matt Rule, of course, if you don't know, he coached um, coached Anderson at Temple University. So he signed Anderson to a two-year, $20 million contract. That's a lot of money. He plans to use Anderson, and he's going to play him a lot, I believe. Then there's also the addition of Joe Brady, the new offensive coordinator, who just coordinated the most prolific offense in college football history last year at LSU. It definitely remains to be seen how his scheme, college scheme, will work in the NFL. But I want to buy pieces of this offense to see what it can do. Teddy Bridgewater finally got a start, his starting job back and was handpicked by Brady in free agency after Brady worked with Bridgewater in New Orleans the year before. I really think that they have a plan, and I'm happy to have a piece of it. I believe Anderson will make a more significant impact on the offense than Curtis Samuel, which is I, I have him 13 spots ahead of Samuel in my wide receiver rankings, unlike anyone else that I know. I must be the only one that does this because Samuel was actually drafted 22 spots ahead of Anderson in this draft. So I'm either way off or take my word, Anderson is highly undervalued. 16.5, the fifth pick of the 16th round, I drafted Raquel Armstead. I was really thrilled to draft another player from Temple University right away, <laughs> right back-to-back Temple guys. 
with my with my pick here. At this point in the draft, I really wanted to get a running back that that I had not seen, rather than running backs in in this area that I had seen and uh, found them to be mediocre already. Armstead had only 35 catches and 14 or 35 carries and 14 catches in his rookie year, but he stands to get more carries this year, I believe, whether Leonard Fournette is injured or not. Fournette is a free agent after this season and most likely will not be resigned in Jacksonville. And I think that Chris Thompson, who they brought in to compete with, was not brought in to compete with Armstead, but he was really signed to be a passing downs back instead. Armstead's the youngest player that I've drafted to this point in the draft. I really did want to get at least one unproven young running back with an opportunity to prove something within the next year or two, and Armstead really fits that bill for me. 17.1, this was an interesting one. I actually tried my best to wait for Andy Dalton because remember I drafted my first pick of the draft was Dak Prescott. I decided early on uh, that I was just going to draft two quarterbacks. And so I didn't plan on drafting a third one after drafting Prescott and then Matthew Stafford in the fourth. But what I did want to do is get their backups in case they were injured. Unfortunately, I waited too long and another team drafted Dalton. I immediately messaged the owner who drafted Dalton and we started working on a deal for me to get him. Dalton, I felt like was too crucial for me since I only had two quarterbacks in the Superflex League and I gave him picks. So what I did is I gave him picks 17-10 and 18-5 and a 2021 third round pick for Andy Dalton and his 19.1. So he got 17-10, 18-5, and a 2021 third round pick. I got Andy Dalton in 19.1. It may seem like a lot, but I really felt like it was necessary for my strategy. I didn't have to trade back too far in this case, just back from 19-1. Um, but I, and I wasn't too worried about the 2021 20, third round pick. This is a 14-team team league, remember? I certainly would like to think that I'd be at the top of the pack and win this year, but let's just say I'm in the middle of the pack. Even if I'm in the middle of the pack, this third round pick would be pick number 35. And so ultimately what this turned down to was that uh, the owner, that the picks that I gave, he drafted Bryce Love and Darnell Mooney with his picks, and I drafted um, Andy Dalton and the player that I'm going to mention next, which was 19.1, Darren Fells. There are not many running backs or wide receivers that I was excited about at this pick, so I decided to draft my third tight end. Again, I said I was trying to draft with touchdown upside since PPR tight ends dried up a long time ago. I was debating between Fells and Greg Olson, uh, who was drafted two picks after I drafted Fells. I decided to go with Fells because he had the most snaps among all the tight ends in Houston last year, about 75% of the snaps um, were his, team snaps that is. Uh, he scored seven touchdowns and another one in the playoff game. I love it just because he's enormous. He's 6'7 and 270 pounds, making him really just a supreme red zone target especially now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone. He only had 34 catches last year, but he averaged 10 yards per catch, so that's really good for a tight end, and he scored on 20% of his passes. Now, that's not going to be repeated at all, but uh, I, I wanted to take a chance on the upside, partly, too, because I don't believe in Cahill Warning, who was drafted the, round, the next round of this draft. I think Phelps has earned the starting role in Houston and can build upon his 17th-ranked tight end finish last year. He is 34 years old, so he'll probably only be on my team for a year or two, but I wanted to draft him in case he builds upon what he did last year. He's one of my first players to drop if he doesn't show promise pretty early in the season um, or if Cahill Waring beats him out, but I'm, I'm favoring fails right here. Eager to see what he'll do with all the targets missed by DeAndre Hopkins being shipped off to Arizona. I picked 19 in my 19th round, 19-10. I picked Adrian Peterson. I already said that I drafted with more of a win-now strategy, right? And that's the reason why I was willing to draft Peterson, who's the oldest player on my team, for sure. He's a 30th-ranked running back last year, and I think could perform at the same level for at least another year 
or two. I'm far lower on Darius Geis than most other analysts, and I believe Peterson will score more points than Geis this year. So I know that makes me pretty unique in my, my take there. Peterson has more snaps than any of the other running backs in Washington last year and had 14 more snaps than Geis last year in the games that they played together when Geis returned from his injury. So even when Geis was back last year, Peterson was out snapping him. Of course, different coaching staff, so Brandon remains to see if that will happen again. Um, I just think Peter Peterson was not great, but he did score 10 or more points in eight of the 15 games that he played. I think this offseason he made some claims that he wanted to play until he was 40 and try to chase down Emmett Smith's career rushing record. I think that's unlikely, but if anyone can do it, it's Adrian Peterson. The guy's a beast. I know it as a Texas fan. I saw him run all over my teams in college and have watched his career and loved him uh, ever since. Washington did exercise the second year of his contract during this offseason, so shows there that they plan to use him. Peterson, unfortunately, this is part of the factor too. Peterson also needs the money due to financial troubles, and so I firmly believe that he intends to play beyond this season, and I think he'll be in my starting lineup of this this dynasty team a couple times. He won't be an every week starter, but he'll definitely start for me a couple times this year. I, I do believe that. Not a bad pick when he was picked number 262 in this startup draft. I was willing to take a chance on the old man. In the 20th round, I went with Brian Hill, 20.5, Brian Hill. He performed decent last year when filling in for the injured Devontae Freeman. After doing a little bit of research, it seemed clear to me that he will be the handcuff to Todd Gurley, which is why I drafted him. Last year, he received more snaps than Ito Smith and Cadre Allison combined, yet Ito Smith was selected six spots ahead of him in this draft. Hill and Smith are the same age, 24 years old, but Hill has the RB2 frame, being 6'1 and 219 pounds, where Ito Smith is really built to be a change of pace back at 5'9", 195. I don't see why Atlanta would do anything different this year than they did last year. He's the RB2 in Atlanta on a team with an explosive offense and an injury-prone running back number one in Todd Gurley. He was an excellent excellent handcuff pick for me at this time in the draft. I just felt like it was time to, to take this chance. I did like him more than, than the other running backs that were drafted around this area. It was Benny Snell, Malcolm Brown, Jalen Samuels, and Darwin Thompson were all drafted around him. Um, I much prefer Brian Hill to them. Pick number 21, I drafted uh, Randall Cobb in the 10th pick of the 21st round. Cobb was given a three-year, $27 million contract by Houston this offseason. We all laugh, insert our our, uh, jokes here about Houston and their general managing uh, by their head coach. Just not working very well. Um, But here, that's what they did. They paid him $27 million in three years on this contract. I think this contract is a reason alone to believe that he's going to get an opportunity in Houston. Um, He's making more than Kenny Stills is. So I think that he will be the wide receiver number three in Houston behind Cooks and Fuller. You know that I drafted Cooks in the eighth round of this draft, which is why Cobb was a little bit more desirable for me in case Cooks does not work out or in case Cooks get hurts, gets hurt or Fuller gets hurt, which was very likely to happen for Fuller's case. Cobb played about 75% of the snaps last year in Dallas, solidifying a really key slot role for them. I think he'll do the same in Houston. As I said with Cooks and Fells, Targets are missing in Houston with the departure of DeAndre Hopkins. And Deshaun Watson is just too good not to lift the fantasy value of these two new weapons that he has in Cooks and Cobb. And I'm happy now that I have them both, particularly since I got Cobb so late. In the 22nd round, uh, not much needs to be said here. I drafted Chase Daniel. Um, Not not much needs to be said because I already told you I had the two quarterbacks on my team. And I was really aiming to draft their backups in case they were to get hurt during the season. And Chase Daniel is the new backup behind Matthew Stafford, in case you didn't realize that. Uh, Last year, Detroit's backup, Jeff Driscoll, averaged 22 points per game. And Detroit's uh, third-string quarterback, David Blau, 
much worse, averaged 12 points per game when he was playing. Denver's course signed Driscoll this offseason, and Daniel was signed to a three-year contract this offseason in Detroit, making him um, the backup ahead of Blau, who will still remain the third-string quarterback. Uh, Daniel's just very experienced as a backup. Uh, if Stafford gets injured, I'm sure that he can produce 22 points a game, just like Driscoll did last year. And so that's why probably me and only me was willing to draft him in the 22nd round. 23rd pick, uh, 23rd round, pick number 10, I drafted Levante Bellamy. Um, we have in this league a taxi squad in this league, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's limited only to players that you draft. Also, you have to decide before the season starts to promote a player from your taxi squad. Once the season begins, you cannot promote or demote players. Effectively, that means that taxi squads are really guys that you know you're going to have to wait on for a few years. Because of this rule and the fact that I was drafting in a win-now strategy, I drafted my first rookie here in the 23rd round. Bellamy was incredibly productive in college, averaging 2,700 rushing, rushing, yards rushing and 15 t- touchdowns his junior and senior year combined at Western Michigan. He wasn't drafted, but he signed the undrafted free agent contract in Denver, and the team did the same, of course, with Philip Lindsay two years ago, and we know how that worked out. <laughs> Lindsay and Royce Freeman have contracts that expire this season, and Melvin Gordon only signed a two-year contract. So for those reasons, and the fact that I actually have Melvin Gordon on my team, I wanted to draft Bellamy for my taxi squad. I don't imagine promoting him before the season starts, but I could next year, depending on what Denver decides to do with Lindsay and Freeman and their contracts. 24th pick uh, in this round, 24.5, I picked Jared Pinckney. I had the same thing in mind when I drafted Pinckney that I did with Bellamy. Um, after his junior season, many Debbie experts uh, considered Pinckney as their number one Debbie tight end after his junior season. But he had a poor senior season and left him undrafted and off of most dynasty rookie rankings altogether. He signed an undrafted free agent contract in Atlanta, which gives him every opportunity to compete and make the team. Of course, Atlanta addressed tight end and free agency after they let Austin Hooper go to Cleveland after his breakout year. Then Austin, or Atlanta rather, then signed the unproven first-round pick, Hayden Hurst, from Baltimore. Uh, Hurst will be the starter right away, but I think that Pinckney should move right past the other no-name tight ends. See if you know them. Kahari Lee, <laughs> Jaden Graham, and Carson Meyer. <laughs> so no one's heard of them. I think Pinckney is going to really quickly become the number two tight end um, and have a chance to compete and beat out Hurst, who, to, you know, we, we're all confident in the targets. We're confident in his draft capital, but we've also never seen it. And so Pinckney, I think, will make the team pretty quick, move up to the tight end two. If he does not, Uh, He's still a guy that I'd hold on my taxi squad for years to come because we have a three-year limit on the players that we put on our taxi squad. And finally, with my Mr. Insignificant, not really the last pick of the draft, the third to last pick of the draft at pick 25, or this would be the fourth to last pick, (laughs) pick number 2510, I picked Jeffrey Wilson. This one was simple. I drafted Wilson with the final pick of my team because I didn't look like any of the rookies available available for my taxi squad and because he is the backup to Raheem Mostert, who I drafted. Um, So I have Mostert on my team. I might as well get what appears to be his handcuff that waited really this whole time for him to be dropped. Um, Tevin Coleman, of course, is really the backup there, and he, and, but he's often injured, and because he's often injured, Wilson has had time in the past. And I think that, uh, like we've said before, 49er system just spurts out greatness of, of no matter, you know, who it is. Wilson actually scored four touchdowns in two games while uh, Tevin Coleman was injured uh, last year early in the season. Uh, Coleman's injured a lot, and Wilson has done it before, so Wilson seemed like a reasonable pick for me, the Mostert owner, particularly at pick number 346 
in this very deep draft. Love to get your feedback on this. Maybe you think I'm wrong. Maybe you think I'm right. Um, We'd love to get some feedback from you, so feel free to contact me anytime, my freaky friends. That's going to be a wrap for us this week. I always say make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I am much better on email than I am on Twitter, so that's the best way to contact me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I would be honored if you take the time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your support, and I want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.